The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Hear now this reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, beginning with the 33rd verse. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing and they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for, for we're getting what we deserve for our deeds, but, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. The grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. Some years, some years, Good Friday doesn't make sense to me. Some years, Good Friday 
is a rude interruption on a spring day. It's a garbage truck pulling up next to an outdoor cafe. <laughs> it's painfully loud music screaming from a passing car. It's a horror movie on the Hallmark Channel. Y you get the point. Some years, Good Friday messes with our vibe. Our, the cherry trees are in blossom. Let's go for a walk in the park vibe. This year, though, my psyche, my soul, I wouldn't say embraces, but it definitely accepts Good Friday. I don't think I'm alone in this. Humanity, and, and here I'm talking about all who flinch when a new COVID variant is announced, and, and all who wonder if they can handle, if they can absorb, if they can not be reduced to a puddle of sobbing goo by the, the latest news out of Ukraine, all, all who are acutely aware that the world is a mess, a terrible, violent, bloody mess, humanity on the whole may take one look at Good Friday this year and nod. This is true. This is how things are. This is an area in which we have time and time again proven proficient. We make Good Fridays happen. How's that for a slogan? Humanity, we make Good Fridays happen. The cover of our bulletin today is a photograph I first saw in the Wall Street Journal. It's the photograph of a cluster bombshell that fell into a cemetery after dispersing its deadly bomblets outside the city of Kharkiv in northeastern Ukraine. Humanity. We make Good Friday happen. This was also the case of court course on that first Good Friday. The path to the, to the cross is, is marked by the torchlight of recognizable human failings. Good Friday's stories are ripped, as they say, from the pages of today's newspapers. The path we've walked this afternoon spotlights betrayals, angry outbursts, trumped-up trials, gutless friends, cynical politicians, mean-spirited clergy, and murderous mobs. The sites we have visited on the way to the cross remind us that our actions are often dictated by, by serpents of fear that have coiled around our hearts, demons that, that chant over and over, preserve yourself and your stuff and your power, no matter the cost, no, no matter how much innocent blood might be, must be shed. So when the winding path on Good Friday ends up at a place called the Skull, we're not surprised. Not really. We're not surprised at following Jesus, beautiful Jesus, gentle Jesus, healing Jesus, eventually has us standing on a hillside named after the shell of a human head, after the fleshless remnant 
of a face, after the bony pate that signifies death the world over. Alas, poor Yorick. <laughs> of course we end up at the skull. Here hopes shrivel and the reality of our common destiny comes home to roost. Human beings always end up here in the shadow of the skull, sooner or later. And yet, it's here, at the foot of the cross, under the gaze of the grim reaper's hollowed out eyes and rattling teeth, where Good Friday offers its final and most dramatic set of reversals. Somehow, amidst these awful circumstances, as nails pierce flesh and spears chip bone, as bodies dangling from iron spikes heave and wheeze on this hillside where humans have chosen to put their slaughterhouse artistry on gruesome display, somehow, even here, the good refuses to die. You can see it when Jesus forgives the people wielding the hammers and pounding the nails, people so caught up in the lust for blood that they do not know what they're doing. You can see it in the criminal who speaks up for Jesus, asserting Christ's innocence with his final breath. You can see it in the centurion who, Luke tells us, praises God in the midst of this, this horror show and who also declares Jesus to be blameless. And you can see it in the crowds who depart the skull, beating their breasts. The final reversal of Good Friday, my friends, hides in plain sight. Luke tells us that in the midst of the crucifixion's awfulness, there are those who retain their humanity, their sense of what is right and wrong. There are those whose hearts cry out, this is, this is tragic and broken and messed up beyond all reckoning. There are those who walk away from the cross, thumping their chests, grieving and weeping buckets of tears, lamenting. It, it's one heck of a switchback, but this hair-pulling lament is actually a good thing. It, it's a sign that, that the light has not gone out for us, not entirely. It's, it's, it's testimony to the fact that even hanging on the cross, Christ continues to teach, to offer hope, to point us toward a better way. And it's an invitation to keep watching this one, this innocent one, because he's not done. Not done pointing, not done teaching, not done inspiring, not done challenging, 
not done even as he hangs in the shadow of the skull, calling us to embrace life, to move toward life. Friends, we know Good Friday's true. It's real. It's all around us. But this, my friends, is not the only truth or even the biggest truth today has in store for us. Who else? Who else but this innocent one who the good book tells us endured the tortures of the skull for us and for our sake? Who else can point us away from these violent hilltops and toward the dawn? Amen. As you depart this place, hold on to these soft hallelujahs. Stay alert. Look for signs of the goodness of God. Watch, my friends, for the promised return of the light. And as you watch, May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God's presence embrace you and give you peace. Amen.